forward progress by Dr. Eric Eager, Suma, Hitman, the usual crew of suspects. I know some people are very disappointed not to see the paper bag on Hitman's head, as was promised. But I, we, we can't have him do a full show with paper bag on head. We just can't have him do a full show with paper bag on head. So we're going to continue to put the paper bag over his avatar or his picture here as we do a recap of last week's bets. I just want to remind everyone here, this is part of the Hammer Betting Network. We're powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. And if you haven't seen the show before, we're going to talk about mainly games that we have opinions on this week. We're not going to go through every single game on the board. We chat very briefly before the show and we figure out kind of a run list for games. I want to make sure that everyone here gets a best bet and that we talk about games that we have opinions on. But quickly, we will recap last week. We'll start with the leans. To Hitman's credit, he's been pretty good with the leans this year. The best bets, not so much. Eager, Suma, very disappointing week for Suma on the lean side. Maybe we're going to have to put a paper bag over Suma's head for next week. Best bets wise, uh, pretty solid um, for myself, but not for the rest of us. So we're looking to recap, rebound here. We're looking to rebound in week six. I got that easy winner on Thursday night football with the over, uh, but unfortunately not the best week overall, but there's a lot of them in the NFL season, boys, and we will look to rebound here to start this week. Let's get right into it. A reminder to everyone, all of the picks on this show are tracked via third party, the BetStamp app under the Forward Progress HQ account. You can always find them there and we do lock them in. We hold ourselves accountable and we'll try to keep this as forward looking as possible right now as we get into it this week. All right, game number one. Again, we're not going to talk about the prettiest of games, but games that we have betting opinions on. And we'll start at Soldier Field with the Chicago Bears playing host to the Minnesota Vikings. Taking a look at the market right now, Vikings laying two and a half. Total is 44 and a half in this game. And we'll start with you, Dr. Eric Eager. You're uh, you're known for your Minnesota Vikings roots and being very familiar with the team. Break it down for us, Vikings Bears. Is this a spot where the Vikings can bounce back? Yeah, when you looked at the look ahead line uh, going into last week, um, it was about four. Uh, you know, what transpired last week was obviously going to favor the Chicago Bears and minimize the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson getting hurt. Uh, the Chicago Bears showing life on offense for the second straight week. The Bears getting five sacks when they had previously had, I believe, 22 sacks in the previous 21 games. So there was a lot to like about the Bears, a lot to be nervous about for the Vikings. I just think this is too much of an overcorrection when you go through three um, it, from the look ahead line to now. Uh, the Bears are still the second worst team in the NFL in terms of EPA for play per sumersports.com. They're similar in terms of offense. Uh, I thought Jordan Addison was actually pretty good against a good Chiefs defense the other day. I think TJ Hawkinson, if he hangs on to a few passes, that game looks a little bit different. I just think the Minnesota Vikings actually, you know, I think the Minnesota Vikings have more to them here than this number suggests. And I think the Bears are in for a little bit of a regression. The other thing to, to think about, Donnell Hunter already uh, has, you know, a pretty solid pressure to sack ratio, as does Marcus Davenport, who has played now two full games and has recorded per PFF uh, three, uh, two or three sacks in those games. I, I think they make life a little bit harder on Justin Fields than Washington did. Hitman, you want to follow up here with the Vikings? 
Yeah, I like Minnesota also. I feel like we're talking about it every single week with them, but the turnover luck. Like, if you just ignore turnovers, this Vikings offense is fourth in EPA per play. They've lost 62 expected points from turnovers. They still have – I mean, it's not going to be the fourth best offense to continue for the season without Justin Jefferson, but they still have a pretty formidable – uh, playmaking core, the offensive line isn't terrible. Kirk Cousins is a slightly above average quarterback. So I still think that there's pieces for the Vikings offense to still be maybe an above average unit. They're going against the Bears defense that, listen, they held Washington to 20 points last week. Congratulations. It was the first time in 14 games that they held an opposing offense under 25 points. The defense is still terrible. Over the last two seasons, they're 32nd in EPA per play, pressure rate, drop back EPA per play. It's still a really bad team. Short way for me to say it's still a really bad team. And although I have upgraded their offense over what Justin Fields has shown over the last two weeks, it's still not enough of an upgrade for Chicago and enough of a downgrade for Minnesota that I get to this number. Just two weeks ago, we can pretty much all agree that Carolina and Chicago two weeks ago were pretty consensus power rated around the same teams. Two weeks ago, Minnesota's laying five and a half in Carolina. Again, has there been a big enough downgrade to Minnesota and upgrade to Chicago that we can get now below a field goal? In my opinion, no. And one thing to mention also is people have mentioned the weather in this game, that it would hurt Minnesota. I don't know if it hurts them as much as some people think, just because it's not like Chicago is some great running unit that's going to take advantage of these conditions. I mean, and the Vikings have been pretty good against the run. They've allowed 2.5 yards per carry, and they have a 75% success rate on running back runs, aside from the Philly game where they just played three safeties back, daring them to run the ball. And uh, Chicago is also down possibly their top three running backs in this game as well. So I just thought the two and a half was short on this. I like Minnesota as well. Well, and the other part is Minnesota's offensive line and running game on the offensive side of the ball. Everybody over indexes on the Philly game where they were terrible, but they've actually been pretty solid the last few games on that side of the football as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's kind of something that I've heard a lot this week, and I'll get Suma's thoughts on this as well, where, oh, if this is an inclement weather game, then that's going to favor the Bears. I personally don't buy that, especially with the running back injuries. Khalil Herbert, obviously the knee injury. Roshan Johnson's in concussion protocol. He he has a chance to play. Travis Homer's banged up as well. And, and like then you're getting to Deontay Foreman territory. But uh, ultimately, weather, I think, is not going to make a substantial impact on this game one way or another, at least not in the sense that it favors the bears, in my opinion. And also that weather report is changing every single day, right? Like it was looking really bad early in the week. I've already seen someone cottage 1100, bring it up in the chat as well about how probability of rain is reducing the wind gusts that are projected are reducing. So we don't know that it's going to be a weather game as of yet, but Suma, I'm curious your thoughts so far. It looks like, around the table here, it's pretty heavy lean, like opinions on the Vikings. Are, are you in the same boat? Yes, absolutely in the same boat. I, I think this number at uh, just just a tad under three is too low. Um, like Hitman said, I have Vikings losing a combined, so offense and defense, uh, 45 EPA from turnovers this season. Um, Kirk Cousins is now sixth in my EPA per play rating. That strips out some fluky turnovers like tipped interceptions and stuff like that. 
And Minnesota, when we look at something like DVOA, for example, Minnesota compared to last season, they're actually a, a better team right now. So last season uh, on offense, minus 5.5% DVOA. Now they are plus 3.1% DVOA on defense. They are also slightly better than last year. So this is just a better team on a down-to-down basis that is just losing games because of stuff like turnovers. Um, especially, I think they had three games or four games with a turnover inside the five-yard line or something. At some point, that has to regress. Um, I'm not buying the Chicago Bears um, all of a sudden um, closing the gap to the Vikings as much, even though that offense looked much better um, in to, in the both, uh, both recent games. Um, Minnesota, I like their defense this year. That heavy blitzing scheme is like a, a high variance uh, operation, so they might also uh, force some turnovers on the on the um, bear side. Um, Justin Jefferson obviously hurts, but I still think on this Bears defense that is still banged up in the secondary, um, Vikings should be able to somehow move the ball. Yes, weather and wind might, might be an issue. Right now we are looking at 19 miles per hour sustained. That's not horrible. That that should have an, an impact if it stays that way. But it's not like the crazy monsoon Cleveland Browns games from, from like last uh, two seasons. And like Eric said, uh, looking at the PFF table right now, the Vikings uh, run blocking ranks uh, first in the league just ahead of the Eagles. So um, I still think that in a potential uh, rushing matchup, uh, I don't think that the Bears will completely overmatch the Vikings here. So yes, I I like the Vikings and joining the, the bandwagon. I feel like I'm watching like the ESPN pregame show right now where the hosts go around the panel and they make the picks. And then the audience is like, oh no, what have I done? Like everybody's picking the same side of this game, like Green Bay, Las Vegas the other night. But I'm I'm in the same boat as you guys. I think this is a short number. There's been a pretty big adjustment for the Justin Jefferson injury. I, I feel like, you know, I do feel like an insane person with my opinions on the Vikings and just consistently telling myself that this has to turn at some point. I'm not necessarily saying that it has to, but we've really come a long way, I think, in the last couple of weeks on these two teams. And this is really just a reaction to Chicago beating down Washington a week after they lost to the Denver Broncos people. Like, do we forget about that? That happened two weeks ago as well. So um, I'm with you guys, and that's going to be a clean sweep around the board here on the Minnesota Vikings for this game. Um, just a question from Connor here, and he asks if we're going to get a better number as the total continues to drift down. I assume he's talking about the Minnesota Vikings because typically as the total drifts down, the underdog gets bet in the game as well. But I think that like, and you guys can feel free to disagree with me or agree with me, but I feel like there's a um, much higher risk in losing the two and a half to a three than there is like two and a half dropping to one and a half. So I think if you're just trying to time it at the perfect price, Hitman, I'm, I'm looking at you. Like, I don't necessarily know that you need to time it at this point with just like the opportunity cost of a potential going back to three. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Also, I mean, who's to say that the total is going to keep coming down. I mean, if the weather, we got to keep continue to monitor the weather reports, but I know that if this game was played without weather concerns, probably would have closed what, maybe 50, we think yeah. something in that range. So, I mean, there has been 
already a big move and we'll see what happens with the weather. I mean, if it's terrible, then yeah, it's going to crash down even more, but at the current forecast right now, I don't know how much it does come down to be honest. Totally. All right. We'll move on to game two. Before we do, you do see live odds at the bottom of your screen. Those are courtesy of Pinnacle throughout our shows. And we highly support Pinnacle here on Forward Progress. Because if you do look at those odds that are scrolling down at the bottom of your screen as we talk about the games, oftentimes you'll probably compare them to other sports books you bet at. And you'll be like, Pinnacle has a great price on this game. And that's because they do. They preach everyday competitive odds. So bet smart, bet Pinnacle, your trusted sports book for the past 25 years. And if you do want to sign up to Pinnacle in Ontario, use code HAMMER when signing up. It does help support the show. You must be 19 plus, not available in the US. And as always, please play responsibly. Game number two, I think this one will be a little bit more palatable to the average fan here. Uh, we got the Seattle Seahawks coming off of a bye week after their destruction of the, the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. They head out on the road to take on the Bengals, where we saw a very different version of Joe Burrow last week, a little bit more mobile in a win against the Arizona Cardinals. Market right now, Bengals minus two and a half, minus 117. The total at 45 and a half, juice towards the under. Suma, I'll start with you in this one. You have an opinion on the side. Let's break it down, Seahawks and Bengals. Yes, I'm looking a little bit towards the Seahawks here coming out of their bye and getting um, healthy, especially up front. Um, yes, Joe Burrow looked much better last week. Yes, he moved around much better. He looked uh, completely less limited than before. Um, but I still think that I'm not 100% buying the, uh, the, the Bengals offense being as good as last year. Um, I still think there are some concerns with their offense. Uh, everything is just uh, short. Uh, Jamar Chase was wide open or on every play that, that even Jonathan Gannon admitted that they had a, a bad game plan for him. I wonder why, because Higgins was not playing and Chase was basically the, the, the only guy to like potentially a double team or something. So that don't make any sense. But everything with that offense is still still pretty short they had an average depth of target of only six and a half last week so um the run game is not looking that strong especially in the red zone they they just seem to not being able to punch the ball inside of the um uh, goal line and i just think that there are some concerns on that side of the ball i'm i also think that their defense not as good as, as last year and the seahawks um the Seahawks are pretty good when you look at early down stuff, for example. So on, on neutral early downs, Seahawks rank seventh in EPA per play, third in success weight. But on third down, all of a sudden, they rank 31st in EPA per play and have the um, second worst conversion rate, just a rank ahead of Zach Wilson and the anti-Jets uh, offense. So at some point, that has to regress a little bit Last week, the, the Seahawks were slightly above average on third down. So I just don't believe they will continue to be as bad on uh, third downs. And I also think that some of that had to do with their offensive line injuries. Um, last uh, two weeks ago against the Giants, Giants, they were down four offensive line starters and their starting center had to play a left guard in that game. And 
Um, pretty tough to think about. And this week, Abe Lucas is uh, still on IR. He won't be ready, but Charles Cross might be back. Might be back. Damian Lewis, Phil Haynes could be back. And Pete Carroll yesterday also said that it's going to be a big week for Jason Peters, who might play at either a right tackle or a right guard. So I think that the offensive line should be improved. And what's also interesting about the Seahawks is that their run game seems to be much improved this year. Um, they have a much higher success rate when running the ball on early downs, for example. And the Bengals are not defending the run very well. Um, they rank ninth, uh, sorry, Seahawks rank ninth in rush DVA overall, fourth in EPA per rush and first and second down. And Cincinnati's run defense uh, ranks 30th in DVA. That includes uh, quarterback runs. But when you filter out quarterback runs and look at EPA per rush, they still only rank 28th and 24th in uh success rate um so i think that the seahawks should be able to um move the ball um against that Bengals defense and i i'm not sure that i'm buying the Bengals offense to be um basically on a higher level than the seahawks right now so basically going with what i think right now is still the better more efficient and fluid um offense uh, still a tough road game, uh, 10 a.m. body clock time for the Seahawks, but they worked on that in the past. Um, uh, Pete Carroll just uh, told the media that they are doing different stuff uh, for a few weeks now, like flying in, in on Friday, uh, trying to adjust the body clock, and they are like 15-3 in their last 18 games on the road at 10 a.m. or something. So um, – that being said, I like the Seahawks here at uh, plus three. We got a little taste of situational Suma there with the uh, Seattle Seahawks <laughs> uh, record at one o'clock games, uh, 15 and three last 18. Uh, Eric, the chat is very mixed on this game right now, as I expected it would be. I, I've kind of noticed this just generally speaking from what I've consumed this week. A lot of people think that Bengals are still being very underpriced because of the Burrow injury. Some people really high on the Seahawks and we see that with our live chat right now. Suma made a compelling case for Seattle. Are, are you in agreement or are you looking at the Bengals here? I am. They, they've also asked me to like pet the walls. Um, and, and so, you know, um, so I, I've done that. Yeah, I Suma nailed it. I mean, he, he basically all the points I was going to make. Um, the one other one I will make is one of the things that was really interesting about last week's game against the Giants on Monday Night Football was how much Devin Witherspoon was uh, a force as a pass rusher. And, you know, when I look at last week's game, the Bengals, you know, coming out of their shell, scoring some points, all that kind of stuff against the Cardinals is that was it was the Cardinals. The Cardinals really don't have any weapons on defense that can make Joe Burrow. Now, I know that he looked, you know, more fit, but he's still not necessarily the most mobile quarterback in the world, even if he's improving. I see a lot of havoc being, re, you know, by Devin Witherspoon. If we get Jamal Adams back, that's a plus as well. Uh, it, it, that seems to be trending in a certain way. So. I, I do also, you know, even an expensive three, I do like I, I do like Seattle on the road here for all the reasons that Suma said and as well as the, the Devin Witherspoon angle where um, they seem to be willing to use him in ways that are, you know, Rondé Barber-esque in order to make, you know, wreak havoc on opposing offenses. And other than last week, the Bengals have been haveable on offense. Hitman, we have uh, two for the Seattle Seahawks right now. 
We already started with one game that was a complete clean sweep across the board with the Minnesota Vikings. Are you sharing the same sentiment on the Seahawks or is this a game that you're you're not really looking at? I really don't have an opinion on the side. I will say that if the weather does hold up, which probably would get a more accurate uh, forecast on Friday-ish, Friday, Saturday, I would lean towards the over. Joe Burrow had his highest pass rate over expectation last week. He was finally throwing the ball deep, which he refused to do over the previous few games. Cincinnati really started playing more up-tempo. They ranked seventh fastest on the week in um, no huddle rate, and they were using a lot of it, especially early in that game. Uh, Seattle is a pass funnel defense. They face the most pass attempts in the NFL, partly because of how good their run defense has been, but also their pass defense, their pass coverage. It's graded 23rd by PFF, and they're ranked 27th in dropback EPA. And then on the other side, a lot of people have mentioned, like, this Bengals defense is just not played like we've seen them play in the previous few years. And especially I could see a big edge with Seattle running the ball. The Bengals are allowing five yards per carry, to opposing running backs and they're 31st in the league in explosive run rate allowed. And one thing that we know about Kenneth Walker is he is a very boomer bust runner that he'll get some negative runs, but he has the potential to take runs to the house as good as almost any running back in the league. So I, I could see a little bit more up-tempo and some more explosive plays than what we've seen in some previous Bengals games. But again, so much of it comes down to handicapping the weather, to be honest. So I'm not ready to, to lock anything in right now. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of in the same boat as Hitman here. Um, if this game was played in perfect conditions, I definitely have an edge towards the over in this game. Um, we've seen a lot of the games this week that are on the East Coast or expected to have bad weather that have been bet down quite a bit. And this tends to happen like earlier and earlier now every season, right? I go to bed on Sunday night. I wake up Monday morning and totals are down, you know, three points across the board. This is a game that I'll be looking out for to see what the conditions uh, are like as we go forward. But very small lean to the over in this game. I honestly think that the price on the sides is fine. Um, you know, it does feel like a missed opportunity with the Bengals minus three at Arizona last week, which I might look back at in hindsight and be like, what the hell were we doing? You know, I'm not taking the Bengals in that spot. And they're still, you know, very underpriced relative to where they were at the beginning of the year. But I have concerns about the defense. I'm not sure that we can say that the offense is completely over the hump yet based off of last week's game as well. Before we get into our third game here, Jonathan in the chat asks, um, when throughout the week do you feel confident that the weather forecast is actually uh, actionably accurate, like Friday for a Sunday game, as an example? Uh, Hitman, Suma, you guys I know are guys that monitor the weather pretty consistently on a weekly basis. Like, How early can you start trusting the weather reports for these games, Hitman? It, it kind of depends. I mean, uh, if you follow some like the meteorologists that they specialize in a lot of the NFL weather content, you can kind of get a read on how confident they are in, in the weather at a certain point. Like I remember in that Saints Browns game last year that I think the total closed something like 33 or something insane. Mm -hmm. I remember on like Tuesday, uh, people were coming out and saying, this is going to be bad. We are very confident this is going to be bad. And at that point you can, 
pretty much start firing stuff early. And then there's other situations where you, you can just sense not as much confidence in it. And it's, it's harder to go, to go that early. And you kind of wait till usually Thursday, Friday, Saturday, for sure. Usually a good read. So it's kind of, it kind of depends on an individual basis uh, on a lot of these games, to be honest with you. Suma, what do you do with the weather conditions? When do you start to really account for them? Yeah. So roughly speaking, I have uh, read some, some studies in the past that are saying that usually on average, you cannot take any weather report series that is more than five days out. But I also agree with Hitman that it's a, a very case-by-case -case basis. So for example, like um, stadiums that are at the sea level or at uh, or are at a lake like, like Browns, um, for example, like the weather might be completely different from what you saw in the forecast on Friday. And sometimes there are like, um, when a whole region is getting hit by a major storm over the weekend or something, that's something where you have a long time frame about like one, one and a half days where we can be pretty sure that the 40 uh, 24 miles per hour are probably still going to be in that 17 18 to 30 range or something come come game day so it's a case by case basis usually i i try to start looking at the weather on like tuesday morning um and then it gets like accurate uh, more accurate um as the week goes on and usually on like Friday slash Saturday, you, you get a pretty good clue what the, what the weather is going to look like. But as TA has already uh, told us after week one, for week one, there was zero rain in the forecast for the um, Browns game. And then it was uh, heavily raining for like two hours straight all of a sudden. And no, nobody had a clue before. So um, sometimes there are stadiums where you, you cannot be sure until like game day. And sometimes you can get a much better clue on like Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. Yeah, good points by both Hitman and Suma. The last thing I'm, I'm going to add here is that you are dealing with a very competitive market when you're betting the NFL. If you're going to wait for perfect information, which isn't always perfect, as Suma and TA have pointed out before, then you're likely going to be betting into like prices that have already been moved based off of that information. So it's really challenging. For me, there's like no right or wrong way to go about it. You just, you factor it in like you factor in anything else and you deal like, meteorologists are dealing in probabilities as well, right? Like there's, there's never like, oh, this is going, it's going to be rain unless they say there's a hundred percent chance of rain or a hundred percent chance of winds at 25 miles an hour or more. You have to think probabilistically. So it's really challenging altogether. I don't know that we gave a, a like a perfect answer, but to each their own. And just remember you're betting against other bettors who are also going to be looking at this stuff. If you made it through here so far through our first two games, just make sure you're subscribed here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel. We put out content every single day and hammer that like button down below. It goes a long way for us being able, for us and other people being able to find our content. So take two seconds, smash that like button down below. Game number three, another one that I think is incredibly interesting this week, guys. We have the Detroit Lions who are looking a lot better as of late, much closer to their preseason projections. Last week, even without Amon Ross St. Brown and Brian Branch, they basically wiped the floor with the Carolina Panthers in that game. They go to Tampa. They get a Bucks team coming off of a bye week. 
Bucks outperforming their preseason expectations right now as well. Market at Pinnacle is Lions minus three, minus 120. That's pretty much consistently the market everywhere. Total 44, right on a key number. Hitman, I'm going to start with you on this one. Yeah, um, I'm looking towards Detroit in this game. So Mike Evans, we know he had a hamstring injury against the Saints, and he didn't practice today. So we'll have to see what his status ends up being. But I think that this Tampa playmaking core is really thin if they do lose Mike Evans. Because one thing we know is they have the big two of wide receivers in Godwin and Evans. But without them, you're looking at guys like uh, Trey Palmer, uh, Devron Tompkins, Kada, and Rashad White has been one of the least efficient running backs in the league this year. And the offensive line has not been great either. And your quarterback is Baker Mayfield. Now, I know he surpassed expectations so far this year, but I'm not ready to say that he's anything better than a very, very below average starting NFL quarterback. So I think that's a big injury. The Lions look like they're going to be getting Amonra St. Brown back this week. And Tampa, they're ranked dead last in run block win percentage this year, which goes to talk about what I was saying about Rashad White. The Lions run defense metrics are really good this year. And what do we have from Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales is he continues to talk about kind of similar to Byron Leftwich last year. So I don't know, maybe it's a Todd Bowles thing. I, I don't know, but we continue to have the Bucks talk about we're going to continue to call these early down runs d- despite the lack of success. So I think that Tampa is going to be behind the, the chains or, or in a lot of third and longs in this game against a Lions defense that has played a lot better than we expected coming into the year. And then you look on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and this was really surprising to see Tampa's last in run stop win percentage in their 32nd in PFF's run defense grade. And the Lions offensive line is, I mean, Philly's number one, but this Lions offensive line is like clearly number two right now. So I think that's a big advantage in the trenches for Detroit on both sides of the ball. And I'm probably, and I think we we have the two questions with playmakers and it looks like Detroit's getting theirs back. And it looks like Tampa probably 50, 50 on what happens with Mike Evans. So I thought that this was a little short on Detroit. So Patrick and Kyle both in the chat referenced the Bucks OC and living to run up the up the middle for two yards at a time on first and second down. So I mean, we we blame Leftwich for this last year. Maybe it is a Todd Bowles thing, Eric. Uh, how are you seeing this game? Yeah, for sure. I, that is that is one thing that uh, you know you expected them to be better. One thing that has been better for Tampa Bay and. I don't know if it's real. I th- I'm going to take this as noise is that Baker Mayfield currently right now is second in the NFL in sack rate uh, behind Patrick Mahomes. If you look at previous seasons, Mayfield was last year was fourth worst behind Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields. So um, if you expect regression there without one of the options that he's going to be able to throw to on the first read in Mike Evans, Aiden Hutchinson and company for Detroit, you know, they've been able to really get pressure on the quarterback. So I think that that's something that if you're only looking at this year's data, you might be able to like Tampa Bay a little bit more. But if you actually add the context to it, which is to say Mayfield has not been characteristic of that, they're going to have something fundamental change about their offense without Mike Evans. Um, I think that Detroit's going to have more success against Baker Mayfield than the data would suggest going into this game. I, I like Detroit maybe out to minus 115 at minus three. So at this 
particular number, uh, I can't get there. But I do, you know, it, before when the number was a little bit closer to flat, it, it was a, a look for me. All right. So if it gets back in that range, then Eric is on the lines. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fascinated with the Baker Mayfield stuff, right? And this kind of stuff always gets me because it's not like Baker Mayfield has a, a small sample size with the rest of his career, right? He has a decent enough sample. And for years, Baker Mayfield under pressure was, I don't want to say a historically bad quarterback, but a horrible quarterback under pressure. And now you look at the splits this season and it's completely reversed. Under pressure, he's turned into like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I am personally inclined to believe, Suma, that that is more likely to regress to his career numbers rather than something has mechanically changed with him where all of a sudden he's just able to overcome all this pressure that he faces. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, Bucks are three and one. Baker gets a lot of praise. David Canales gets a lot of praise, but... I will just read some data and you tell me whether that's going to be sustainable or not in the future. Uh, Baker, like you said, first in EPA per dropback under pressure, but by a country mile. Like the gap between him and I think Patrick Mahomes, who is second, is like big. Like there's a very big gap between first place and second place. And the first place is Baker this year. Uh, from clean pockets, only 26th in EPA per dropback. I think the, the sample size uh contains uh 36 quarterbacks and all but the bucks have been the second best third down offense averaging 0.35 epa per play so if that's sustainable i'm gonna eat a shoe um i just think that um that somehow has to regress he, he, he just cannot perform so well under pressure and so well on um third down and when you look at neutral early downs so um, not garbage time, uh, not when the game is over, not in the two-minute drive. Neutral, neutral downs, the Bucks offense is 31st in success rate and 27th in EPA per play. They have basically gotten all their production on um, third downs, high-leverage stuff, uh, some key turnovers like in the in the uh, Vikings game, week one, uh, that, that pick six in the end on the um, championship drive by, by Justin Fields. And um, I just think that that has to regress at some point. And the, the Lions, on the other hand, are the complete opposite. They, they are looking very stable on both sides of the ball. Um, not sure we should overreact to their defensive performances recently against the Panthers and the John Love uh, Packers offense. Uh, I don't think that's uh, a top six unit all of a sudden, but they're at least significantly better than last year. And I, I trust their offense very much. And um, I think Hitman was it who mentioned the, the, the run defense. Tampa Bay is uh, 29th in rush uh, rush success rate defensively against non-QB runs. So I think that the Lions offense should do enough on offense. And uh, Baker might regress at some point, and it, it, and it might be this week already. Love this comment from Nash in the chat. Hitman wearing bags, Suma eating shoes. What is Eager going to bet on here before the season's end? <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to come up with something for Eric. I think maybe um, we'll have, yeah, well, I just have to strip doctor from your name. Like we'll never be able to refer to you as a doctor ever again. I, it, fair, fair. I'll, maybe I'll pet the wall more. <laughs> you might have to paint the wall. That would be actually something, although people have really come to love the uh, the fake, fake turf look there behind you. Probably better than the turf they're playing on in London this week as well, if anyone's read the, the reports from uh imagine practices. the ravens on that turf is going to be an injury is going to be an injury fest that has been unseen by mankind before 
Apparently, I guess uh, the Spurs Tottenham wanted ten million from the NFL to play on the like regular surface, playing surface that's there. And uh, I guess Goodell didn't want to pony up like one sixth of his annual salary for for that. There was no way that that was going to happen, unfortunately. Um, all right, guys, let's get on to a, another game here. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Still very split, I would say, in terms of like the perception of this team as to whether people are n- think that they are for real or for not, uh, or not for real, I should say. Uh, Jalen Hurts obviously didn't look himself to start the year. They've been improving offensively as the season has, go- has gone on, as has the Jets offense. Uh, Zach Wilson looked pretty solid against the Kansas City Chiefs a couple weeks ago. They win against the Denver Broncos last week in what was being dubbed the Toilet Bowl or whatever else you wanted to call it, the Dumpster Fire Bowl. Something along those lines. It's the Eagles at the Jets. Eagles laying seven minus 101. The total sitting at a key number of 41 as well. Eric, I'll start with you here. Can we put faith in Zach Wilson going forwards? Is this like a new look New York Jets team? I don't think the faith goes to Zach Wilson. He didn't really play all that great against Denver. He kind of just kept, he kind of just kept from making the the big mistakes that generally generally kill that team. To me, I'm putting the faith in the kind of like the rest of the Jets team. Brees Hall has been explosive. They finally gave him uh, the touches he needs. The defense, uh, you know, continues to be solid, you know, and, and this year actually doing a good job of creating turnovers, which was something that last season they, they weren't able to do, even though they were very good from the perspective uh, of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, stopping, you know, success rates on both running and passing. To me, this game is about, again, perception of the Eagles. Like I, Jalen Hurts came on a little bit at the end of the game against the Rams last week, but it is the Rams. The Rams have one of the, you know, sort of weakest, weak link defenses uh, in the NFL. He just looks kind of deliberate. He looks a little bit slow, um, both, you know, running the football as well as, uh, you know, with his reads and everything. And I know the passing stats ended up looking okay. And I know that this team's five and oh. Um, I just think there's something a little bit off about this team and I don't, and I think the Jets defense is going to be the tough, a tough defense to get it going against. And so I I think the Eagles win, um, but I think this number, you know, which has got, you know, open kind of more towards six uh, now that it's now that it's seven, I think it's worthy, worth, worth it to grab uh, the Jets. So for the most part, for the first 39 minutes of this broadcast, we've all been holding hands and singing Kumbaya together and agreeing on a lot of games, which is never the point. We just pick games that we all have opinions on. But this is the first game where we have a disagreement. Suma, you want to make the case for the opposite side, the Eagles on the road. Yes, I'm just majorly concerned about um, Zach Wilson behind that offensive line against the um, Eagles defensive line. Um, Eagles defense is very stout against the run this season. And what the Jets are really trying to do is run first, get Brees Hall going, let him break off a, a, a few explosive plays and then let Zach Wilson handle business as best as usually, uh, as, as best as possible and not do too many mistakes. But I'm concerned that the Jets cannot run the ball very well that the Eagles will get a lot of stops and force Zach Wilson into these um, high leverage under pressure situations on like second and long, uh, third and long. And I'm not sure that he will be able to take advantage of that um, still 
somewhat weak Eagles pass defense, especially over the middle of the field. I, I, I'm just not seeing Zach Wilson standing there in the pocket on the third and eight and delivering delivering strikes um, over the top of the of, of the linebackers to Garrett Wilson down the field. I'm I'm just having major concerns uh, seeing that. And then on the other side, uh, I completely agree that Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense still doesn't look that or doesn't look close to the level that we thought there would be or, or or that they were last season but i still think that with their run game they should be able to control this game they should have uh, or at least have a a higher chance of, of winning the turnover battle might get better f- uh, field position over over 60 minutes and i just think that w- with their ability to control the line of scrimmage uh, they they should be able to to make this a very manageable game for them, and yeah, l- long story. I just don't see Zach Wilson surviving um, against that uh, Jalen Carter led Eagles pass rush. So we have split opinions so far, Hitman. Do you have any any take on this game? Early money came in on the Eagles. This one opened up in the minus six range. Some books six and a half. It's been bet up to a touchdown, and it's kind of just hung out there ever since. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to break the tie. I would have liked the Eagles at six, even six and a half, but I was kind of waiting on it because there could be bad weather in this game. And just typically the more points you're laying in bad weather is typically not ideal, but so at seven, it's, it's probably, it's a pass for me. Uh, the reason I did lean towards the Eagles, at least at six, six and a half, as the Jets are without Vera Tucker going against this pass rush. I'm not buying in to Zach Wilson to answer your question that you had to Eric. Um, when the teams do run the ball, the Eagles are allowing three yards per carry to opposing running backs, second in the league. They've really been good at stopping explosive runs, which has kind of been the Jets' offense right now. It's just been Brees Hall breaking off these explosive runs and, and then um, on the other side of the ball, the Jets defense, especially against the run, it's been a little bit underwhelming this year. They've been allowing explosive runs um, at the seventh highest rate. Their yards per carry of opposing running backs has been pretty good against them. And the Eagles, obviously we know one thing about them is this offensive line and run game is pretty damn good for them. So it, for me at seven, it ends up being a pass. But if it did drop below that, I would maybe get interested in Philly again. This is uh, this one's similar for to Cincy Seattle for me in the sense that I'm monitoring the weather potentially to play the over in this game. Like this is just too low of a number for the Eagles, in my opinion, uh, with what their offense generates. Scott in the chat talked about the red zone issues that the Eagles have been having this year. And that's very real. They were third best in the league in red zone touchdown percentage last season. They're 27th this year. Now, change in offensive coordinator, you know, maybe some teams figuring them out, but I'd feel very confident that when we get to season's end, the Eagles are going to be nowhere near 27th in red zone touchdown percentage, especially since they can run the short yardage play with Hertz. So I think positive regression for the Eagles offense is coming in the red zone. That leads to points. I think with Zach Wilson facing a pass rush like this, that leads to chaos leads to turnovers, potentially defensive touchdowns. I really think that this is a short number um, in terms of the total if we get decent weather conditions for this game. 
We'll end with one final game before getting into our best bets. A reminder, if you're not subscribed on Forward Progress, hit that subscribe button below. It's very important to the four of us that we don't get blown out of the water by the hit the book subscriptions because we do not like Joey Kanish as a person. He's a bad person. Let's just call it out for what it is. He's a horrible person. So make sure that we get as many subscriptions as possible. He doesn't realize we're dividing our NFL audience over two channels with Forward Progress and Hammer HQ. He's been hitting me up, rubbing it in. Please don't let this happen anymore, people. Hit that subscribe button down below. Smash that like button if you do enjoy the content. The final game we're going to talk about this week. I'm almost going to, I'm like trying not to throw up as I try to preview this game and get the words out of my mouth. Because we have the New York Giants, who still haven't covered a spread this year, heading on the road to take on the Buffalo Bills, who suffered about a billion injuries on defense last week. Very, very beat up team. Looking at the market right now, Giants plus 15, minus 122 at Pinnacle. That is more like a 14 number if we use the alternate spread on the game as well. The total is 44 and a half. And I did want to talk about this game because I had Hitman on the last live watch along I did for Monday Night Football with the Packers and Raiders. And we talked about this a little bit in the span of a couple of days, a few changes, and I, I, a lot of the audience overlaps. So I want to talk about this game a little bit more, but we get Daniel Jones not practicing with the neck injury today. And we also get a soft tissue injury. What else is new for our boy Darren Waller as well, dealing with the groin injury. So Hitman, you already talked about that game on Monday Night Football and that you bet the Giants. I'm curious what you what you think about this game and whether or not you'd still be going to bet them if you hadn't already placed that bet. So, yeah, I bet the Giants at 14 and a half. I was all ready to come on here saying that I still like the Giants plus 14. I said before we went on, I like them, but you know what? I'm, I'm a coward. I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm just going to say it's a lean towards the Giants right now. And what really scared me is one, Waller picking up that soft tissue injury, but two, Jones not practicing after on Monday, Brian Dable tried to make it sound like he was very likely to play in this game. I still lean that he's going to play, but at this point, I'm not rushing to bet the Giants plus 14 anymore with uncertainty around Daniel Jones. The reason that I did like it um, when I believed that Jones was going to be in for this game and Waller didn't have the injury and all that was the Bills defense is just missing so many guys with injuries right now. And their defense is last for the season is last an explosive play rate allowed. Somehow, if you would have told me a team was worse than Denver, an explosive pass, explosive play rate allowed on defense, I would have said no way, let alone it being the Buffalo Bills. And now you're without the best player on your defense, Matt Milano. You lost Daquan Jones. You lost Tredavious White the previous week. Dane Jackson, it sounds like, probably isn't going to play in this game. They have a bunch of other guys that probably play, but they're dealing with some injuries. And Greg Russo, Christian Benford, Shaq Lawson, Dalton Kincaid is in the concussion protocol right now. It's just a lot of injuries stacking up for Buffalo in this game. And so, you know, it wasn't going to be a game when you're taking a 14, 14 and a half point underdog, I'm not going to come in here saying, Oh, the giants have a matchup advantage. <laughs> and it's like, it's just not possible. It's just was more of a fade 
against Buffalo, laying this type of number. They're coming back from London without a buy. Probably not that big of a deal, but it could only hurt them, I would say. So, But you know what? Wait to see the Jones status. It's one. I think we lost Hitman there. We'll get him back in here in a second. But, but Eric, I want to pivot the conversation really quickly because I know you don't have an opinion on the game. But specifically to the Buffalo Bills going forwards, right? They already lost Trey White for the season. They're dealing with numerous injuries on the defense. How does this affect the season outlook for them? Because, I mean, candidly, I'm watching the Jags game last week and I'm thinking in my head, wow, like, I'm going to have to start betting against Buffalo in the next few weeks. And I don't like to do that. First game I look at, it's the Giants. And I'm like, what did I do to deserve this, that this is going to be the next game? But what do we think of Buffalo going forwards? Yeah, it's weird because defensively, it's going to be a mess because Buffalo generally with that zone defense that McDermott runs, you can get by with with corner play that isn't particularly good. They've lost Trey White before. Kahir Elam's been bad and then inactive. And they've they brought Josh Norman in for various like stints with the team and all that. But part of the reason that that is possible is because Matt Milano can play linebacker at a level that's like 90% of what Fred Warner can. And so, you know, that losing both of those levels of defense, it's going to be hard, I think, for them. Um, they already lost Edmonds last year in free agency. So that middle part of the defense is really weak. So to me, it, it, it all you know comes down to can Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs and company stay healthy? And, you know, last week you saw one of the – now, Gabe Davis ended up having 100 yards and a touchdown, uh, you know, during that the course of that game. But what, when Buffalo's weak, it's when they need to score a lot of points. The other team is able to at least slow Stephon Diggs. And then their left hand, you know, uh, Gabe Davis, the two tight ends, the running backs, don't end up producing. And that's what happened Sunday morning until basically the fourth quarter. If that's what's going to happen for the Bills moving forward, it's going to be a grind for them against teams like the Dolphins and the Chiefs and, and the Bengals and the Ravens and all that uh, in the AFC. I'm bullish on that offense. I'm bullish on what uh, on the improvements in those secondary options. But the defense, make no mistake, it's not like they're it's they're going to have a hard time scheming out of these things. So it's going to be a lot of scoring uh, in the games that Buffalo plays in. All right, we got Hitman back here now. We just had to tell him to close uh, Pornhub on his on his browser, and he's back with us right now. All good to go. Just in time for our best bets of the week. It's week six, Hitman. I'm going to start with you because the pressure's on at this point. The people are not going to accept another loss. They are absolutely not. Now, somehow your record is still pretty much on par with that of hit the books as well. So we, we don't have to worry about that. It's okay. If you could get us one winner, I think your win percentage will improve to better than hit the books this year. So who is that winner going to be in week six of the NFL? I was hoping maybe my screen would go out before this and I wouldn't have to, to give out another best bet. But it looks like we're, re we're ready to go. It's going to be Minnesota Vikings minus two and a half. The Vikings, I mean, the turnover, we say it every week, but the turnover luck, it's just not sustainable. This offense is fourth in EPA per play. They've lost 62 expected points from turnovers. I still have this rated as an above average offense, even without Justin Jefferson. And you're going against the league's worst defense in the Chicago Bears. The Bears are down their top three running backs. The Vikings have been good at stopping the run aside from when they played Philadelphia and just absolutely dared them to run. 
and the Vikings, I mean, two weeks ago, they closed minus five and a half against the Panthers, which at that time we said the Panthers were around the same power rating as Chicago. We're at two and a half now. Obviously, the Bears deserve to be upgraded based off how Fields has looked in the past two weeks, and the Vikings deserve to be downgraded based off losing Jefferson. But I just haven't went this far to get to the point where the Vikings are under a field goal at the second or third worst team in the entire league. So give me Minnesota minus two and a half to end the streak. Hitman putting a lot of faith in Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense to end the streak. Suma, we'll go over to you. You're getting trolled in the chat today. Some guy named Cassone just ripping you for your Ravens opinion last week. <laughs> Another guy says he's been fading you. You, you got to show these guys who's boss. Who does Suma like this week? Best bet and why? Yes, I'm doubling up and uh, um, joining Hitman on the um, Vikings minus two and a half, uh, minus 115 at Pinnacle. It's probably be it's probably the best price right now that, that I like the most. Um, Vikings, Hitman made all the good points like this turnover regression has to hit at some point. Um, hopefully it will hit this week on Sunday at Soldier Field. Uh, right now, there are some winds blowing and some rain. It's not horrible that it uh, would turn into a complete um, slugfest. So going with the better team here, the Vikings are 1-4, but they are a better team efficiency-wise than last year. Um, Kirk Cousins, when you strip out these uh, stupid turnovers like uh, tip interceptions or um, muffed snaps or something, he ranks sixth in EPA per play. Uh, Bears defense, better against the run, but bad against the pass, still banged up in the secondary. Um, I think if the wins are not going to increase significantly, the, the Vikings uh, should move the ball on the ground and through the air, even without Justin Jefferson. Their blitz-heavy um, defense uh, combined, combined with some scoring offense uh, can put pressure on Justin Fields, and I'm not uh, trying to overreact to the Bears performance uh, against the Broncos and the Commanders. So the first time in the history of this show, six weeks, that we've had a shared best bet. So a lot of pressure on, but pro move by Suma, making sure that no matter what, his record will be ahead of Hitman's, no matter what. <laughs> Just matching bets with other creators, the way to keep, make sure that you stay above them. So definitely a pro move by a pro NFL better in Suma. Uh, Dr. Eric Eager, not an MD. Pretty good season so far for you. Let's keep it going with another best bet. Yeah, good on Suma, reducing variance for the show. I'm at least going to increase variance a little bit. Uh, I'm going to run in front, or I'm going to ride the, the train that is minus 69-point differential the last two weeks, and that's the New England Patriots uh, getting three uh, against the – I'm going to call them the Oakland Raiders until they win the AFC West. Um, the Raiders, uh, look – I think like one one reason to not like this would be Max Crosby, but you know Bill Belichick over the course of his entire career has done a really good job of stopping superstars. It's the teams that are you know kind of well spread out, like the Dallas Cowboys, uh, like the New Orleans Saints, at least defensively, that give them a lot of give them a lot of uh, you know flack. So uh, I like this number. I think the Raiders are obviously you know coming off a short rest and all that kind of stuff. I, I just think that the New England Patriots match up well here. And uh, yeah, you're getting you're getting uh, you're getting a full field goal here in a game that was was much below this on the look ahead. So go ahead and take New England, uh, hold your nose, and and for one last time, 
I have some faith in Bill Belichick. All right. Bold move, Eric. Uh, I was also going to go with the Patriots, but I didn't want to make this show uh, so, like solely duplicate. So I'm, I'm on board with you and everything that you said about the Patriots. Uh, one thing about that team is they've played four very good defenses in the first five weeks of the season, like very good. That will probably finish top 10 EPA by the end of the year. So I'm with Eric on that one. Hopefully he gets that as a winner. I'm going to head to another ugly team this week, and I'm going to back the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the price at Pinnacle is plus six, plus 115. I actually like that price a little bit better than all the sevens that are out there right now. You can play this at pretty much any widely available number, but this is just a better price overall. And this is nothing to do with like me fading the Rams. I think the Rams are solid, honestly, but I just don't believe that there's this large of a gap between these two teams just yet. And I also don't like the Rams profile to win by margin a lot. You talk about the Rams a lot facing a very tough schedule, which they have, very true. But the Cardinals just came off the Cowboys, 49ers, and Bengals in the past three weeks. They beat the Cowboys. 49ers was actually somewhat competitive for a large majority of that game. Same with the Bengals game last week where they were basically done in by a Josh Dobbs pick six after they stopped Joe Mixon on a fourth and short. So Arizona has been extremely competitive. But where I like them in this spot is that the Rams are just not generating pressure on defense. They have eight sacks in five games, sixth lowest pressure rate in the entire league, fourth worst EPA per play on defense. This is just too many points for a bad defense to be expected to cover regularly, especially with the fam familiarity of these teams. So I, like Eric, I'm going to hold my nose. I'm taking the Cardinals plus six, plus 115 as my best bet as I look to keep the train rolling. That's it for us this week. Two best bets on the Vikings, one Patriots, one Cardinals. God, that feels just terrible to say out loud, but I just said it. All of you that enjoy the content here on Forward Progress, make sure you smash that like button down below. Consider subbing to the channel as well. Let other people know about this as well. If you enjoy the content, just let other people know that it's available to them and that they can watch it. I'm sure the NFL content that they're consuming, not to sound arrogant, but it's going to be arrogant over the course of the week, is probably not going to provide any re real meaningful, actionable info. We strive to do that here on Forward Progress. So appreciate everyone who joined in. Thank you to Eric Eager, to Suma, to Hitman, for myself, Rob Pizzola, producer Jason Cooper, our sponsor, Pinnacle, one of the best sports books on the planet. Use code HAMMER when signing up in Ontario. This has been the week six NFL best bets here on Forward Progress. Everyone, good luck with your bets this week. Peace out.